I'm Dave Cummings, a retired colonel in the Army, and I've come uh, through some medical work and, and the availability of the Internet. I've been living in Kroger Lake since mid-May, so I uh, was looking around for, okay, how am I going to stay out of trouble? And I recalled that in 1965, I graduated memory from high school, and how I remember is when I went out to this bleaker, First Catholic Church in Fulton County, when I drove up, it was like opening up a file drawer. All the memories came back of having been there in 1965 and how I got there, and I said, well, this this uh, is still in existence, and it could use some manual labor. Prior to that, a couple of years ago, I started doing research on my family, you know, Ancestry.com. So those things came together, and then uh, I'm a Irish Catholic on, on one side of the family, and uh, i convinced my Irish brothers in Saratoga to undertake this uh, project for the summer. And that was to clean the shrine back in the woods, about five miles out of Krogh Lake, and uh, an adjacent cemetery. This is the Historian's Podcast, and I'm Bob Cudmore. We're talking with Dave Cummings, who uh, in the summertime is, is usually found in Kroga Lake, but in other parts of the year, you're in Schuylerville. Is that correct? Correct. And you were telling us about uh, how you uh, came across this uh, Roman Catholic shrine in Bleecker, which is uh, a hill town in Fulton County. And it turns out that Bleecker has the oldest Catholic church, or it was the place where there was the oldest Catholic church in uh, Fulton County. And this past summer, uh, you and other members of the Saratoga Ancient Order of Hibernians uh, uh, cleaned up uh, what remains of the church and uh, and the graveyard uh, there. Bleecker, it, it, to me, has always been a very interesting place. I've written several stories about it, known a couple of people who live uh, up there. Um, I'm curious about your first encounter with uh, this shrine and Bleecker. You've uh, written a piece which you, you say that uh, back in 1965, your father advised you to help a Franciscan brother clean up a shrine and cemetery near the family summer home in Caroga Lake, and it was penance for some dumb adolescent deed. I guess I have to ask you, what, what had you done? Well, that's the, the mind uh, doesn't open up that file drawer because I can't remember what it was, but that my dad's approach to was you're going to work off the badness you did, whatever you did and how. So mm -hmm. we were at no. Mass on a Sunday morning at St. Barbara's Chapel, and this traveling Franciscan brother mentioned he was in town to work on, and his project was to work on cleaning up the shrine. I, you know, I wasn't really paying attention, but as we departed the church, um, he grabbed me and pushed me in front of the brother and said, there's one of your laborers. So that's how that that relationship began. Well, I was kind of interested in that Franciscan brother. He was Brother John, and you write that he had just retired from the National Football League? He was uh, a lineman with the St. Louis Cardinals, and I'm still trying to track down his name. So he had to play with the St. Louis Football Cardinals in the early 60s at the latest. So I'm trying to go through their current website to see, I mean, how many football players become Franciscan brothers, especially with I know the team and the years. 
So eventually we're going to find out, verify his full name and give him due credit. The churches really didn't keep track of who the uh, the traveling Franciscans or whatever order came through their churches. You know, they just put them on the pulpit and let them chat a bit. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and I because I remember that one of the penances was I wasn't going to be able to use my brand new um, 90cc trail bike. But my dad said, well, if, if you go out there and work with him, you can kind of like ride it to and from, which, you know. Oh. So I, so that's how I remember vividly when I first saw the shrine, Bob, is, is rounding a corner and coming up this little hill. And there he was standing and working, and he was a big man. So we uh, we removed an awful lot of blowdown chainsaw work, weed whackers, whatever we had in those days, and worked there pretty much the full week. And he was a delightful. Uh, he was a huge man. So I mean, he could use, he could pick up some of those logs with not much problem. So physical labor was a good way to uh, work off, get back in my family's good graces. And that's how you learned of the church and the shrine. Have you, and then in 2020, this year, you and the Hibernians worked on it. Did you go up, go there in the years in between? None uh, at all. And uh, what I did, because I had people come into Kroger Lake to visit, so I said, I wonder what's going on with, uh, I'm on the Chamber of Commerce board in Saratoga, so I'm very attuned to, you know, visitors, what they could do to get out. And so I went online and I found the first reference that popped up when I went Bleecker and Fulton County um, activities was the shrine, you know, and a little bit of a blurb on it. So I, so I, I convinced my fellow brothers that we needed to be able to do something together, which was outdoors and uh, didn't take a lot of brain power. Mm-hmm. So we had 10 of us came over the first week in June, the Church of the Holy Spirit in Mount Carmel, the old Mount Carmel in Gloversville, has been over the years having volunteers weed whack and mow primarily the cemetery. But mm-hmm. we needed people with chainsaws and wood chippers for knock down trees. And so we said we'd do it. So in first week in June, we did that. Let me ask you, let's try to create the history of uh, this church, which was St. Joseph's. I don't know if we've said that. It's Not called St. Joseph. Yep. Uh, when, and you write in an article that the sites were established in 1854 eight to 1858. That's when, um, what, the church, the, a church was built? Yes, sir. There was, it was all, uh, had to be a fairly well-to-do family. And I found one of the family members, uh, Lunkenheimer, because they owned 300 acres in the 1850s in Bleecker. That, that's a pretty substantial farm even today. So mm-hmm. they donated, for the cost of $1, land to build the church on a four-acre parcel. And then they had a cemetery, a two-acre parcel, that still exists. So when they built the church in the mid-1800s, of course, lumber was great supply because that was the primary activity of if you weren't a farmer, you were a lumberman, you know, cutting Mm -hmm. logs and uh, getting the hemlock for tanning hides in uh, the Fulton County glove industry. So these Lunkenheimers donated the land, and then the local people built this church in the mid-1850s. And at the time, as you say, Bleecker was um, not a place of, let's say, homes and summer homes, as it primarily is today, I would 
venture, but uh, more in, not industrial exactly, but they were farming and they were tanning leather and they, they were working. And these people that lived there were working and there were maybe more people living there than uh, live there today. Do you think that's true? Abs- absolutely. The, the census indicates that there were about 1,060 residents in 1860. Within 10 years, that was down to 600. And currently, I think the historian told me there's only 200 residents actually in the town. Let me test my memory. Is that Eleanor Brooks that you're talking to? Roger that. She is a piece of work. She is delightful. And every now and then, she says the humor, Bob, she'll say, well, I'm old. She's 87. But she said, I don't think I was here when that happened. And, you know, just, <laughs> you just crack up laughing with her. And she has and a sister-in-law, uh, has a, a trove of articles and information, but is, uh, as, as Eleanor says, it's just not organized. <laughs> you know, right, so she right, goes right. through it and finds things. But, yeah, Eleanor, is um, she's just a treasury for yeah. us. And I, I don't make you nervous. I believe she listens to the podcast. Well, that's great. She right. is actually, as the town historian, she is scheduling uh, the emplacement of a new historical marker on October 3rd. So you, you mean a marker for St. Joseph's Church? Is that what you're Correct. It, it'll be a black and white marker that essentially says this was the site of the first Catholic church in Fulton County. There, there had been two metal signs hanging from uh, really broken down posts, uh, one at the Bleecker Town Hall and the other out here on the corner of Perch Road and Shrine Road in, in, uh, on the western end. And uh, they're, they're both, you know, the weather's taking its toll on those. So she's going to put this new black and white historical sign up. So we see the establishment of the church and the cemetery, I imagine, uh, in the 1840s or was it the 1850s? I think it was the... No, eighteen. Uh, everything was the 1850s. Uh, 1850s. I think... This article I put together, the uh, the first person that was interred was like in 1854. And, and, and um, uh, we'll get to that uh, graveyard in a moment, but what happened to the church? You write that uh, in the early 20th century, um, the, they, they closed it, or the, the church um, right. was closed, right? Yeah, there, there were two things that were simultaneously occurring. The upkeep was getting more and more difficult. I have to laugh because a lot of the parishioners came from Caroga, which was five miles away, and they said it was too far away. So between the um, kind of, you know, starting to fall apart a little bit and fewer, fewer parishioners, the church of the Diocese of Albany said, well, we got to take it down. And somebody came up with the idea from what they could salvage in the lumber was to build two chapels, one St. Barbara's Chapel in Kroger Lake, and then the other, um, what was called the Bleecker Roman Catholic Chapel over on uh, County Route 112 in Bleecker. Hmm. Now, from what you say, apparently, is St. Barbara's still there? I mean, still used? Still in Well, operation? no, not as a religious no. setting. Probably was used, well, I think as a religious setting, probably late, 1990s and then again you know uh, only it was pretty much only summer residents went there because they were affiliated first with St. Francis de Sales in Gloversville and then 
uh, St. Mary's. Mm-hmm. So it was considered the, the missionary uh, or mission church of St. Mary's towards mm-hmm. the end of the 1900s. And then uh, in the early 2000s, it was a private sale. It's still, I actually found the current owner uh, who comes up periodically. So it's still, the St. Barbara's building is still there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but it's been, you know, cleaned out of all the uh, religious relics and furnishings. And we're tracking that down to see where everything went. The second parcel, the church that went over to uh, Bleecker, is mm-hmm. from 1920s. That was built as well. And a family bought it in like 19 gave the land, one of the families out there gave the land, and I'm pretty sure it functioned as a religious center through the 1940s. And then one family owned it almost exclusively for 50 years, and it's still, currently, it's a a residence of um, a retired nurse up there. So it's no longer a a church, and they no longer have masses there? No, nothing. I think the only functioning Roman Catholic church in the in the general area well one in glover's hill which is mount carmel or also now called the holy spirit and then the other one the trinity which was a consolidation of parishes in johnstown mm-hmm. so they're the two closest and um, it's it's interesting because through their trustees we track down people who can provide us some thought processes and, and memories the church in Bleaker. I mean, I guess what I'm getting at, or I want to get at, is, of course, this was not the only church in Bleaker. I mean, there are other like Protestant sects and so forth that had churches right, in Bleaker, right? right? Yeah. Yeah. And in 1860, there were four churches. So the other three were, you know, Christian. I think Methodist, maybe a Presbyterian, and um, yeah. So it wasn't a whole lot, but yeah, the people that worked worked the land. In the forest, I think that's a pretty good quantity for for <laughs> that time to have that many people. They needed those many churches. Yes. Also, as they're tearing the the old church down, or it's had different subsequent lives. We've talked about the church, the St. Joseph's Church, and we've talked about the cemetery. And they're going to keep saying more about the cemetery soon. But mm-hmm. they, they also, you refer to a shrine. And that was, is is this what happened there You in your piece that you uh, wrote for, I believe, uh, the, the Evangelist? Some foundation field stones were used to create a domed structure on St. Joseph's Silver Jubilee in 1933. It protects a bronze statue of St. Joseph holding baby Jesus, uh, the patron, and St. Joseph, the patron saint of departing souls. Is that so? And does that structure and that statue still exist? And is that the shrine? Yeah, they do. They deteriorate um, the weather. The apex kind of picks up a lot of weeds and growing things out of it. And we just had it. uh, I scrubbed it down with just a brush early in May. But then one of my friends who owns Pickett Memorials in Gloversville, Pierre Ulrich, uh, who's retired also, and he does these things for, I guess, just having fun. He brought up a power washer that they use, and he cleaned the the uh, shrine extremely well. And that way we could find out just how 
bad, the old mortar has deteriorated. So we've, we've got, we're trying to convince a local mason to come up and essentially repoint the round field stone so it doesn't leak and also, you know, gives it a better shell, a protective shell. But mm. the statue itself is an, is an impeccable condition, and I've tried to look for a manufacturer or I've called people to say, well, in the 30s, who would have built one of these? And that industry is like the closest one I could find was Long Island. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we're still trying to figure out the provenance for the statue. But, yeah, there, there was a ceremony there in uh, 1933, and we found some documents and the leader herald that announced the, the Jubilee ceremony. Now, you came to me, in a sense, because somebody gave you the article I, I had written, and we also did a podcast with Joanne Blaber over in Fish House, who has been working right. on the history and, and the people buried in a graveyard. She called, She's very specific about this. I don't know if you agree. She says a, a burial place next to a church. It should be called a graveyard, not a cemetery. I'm not exactly sure why. But anyway, she's worked on that, much as you're interested in the people buried at the cemetery that St. Joseph's Church in Bleecker used. Can you just give us some uh, sense of that, of of some of the names of the people you've found? (laughs) Yeah, all you you know, the first time when I went out there in May— and like I said, having grown up summers in Kuroga, I mean, there were four or five families that are like, well, that's no surprise. That's no surprise. But, yeah, your article is Pierre Ulrich from Pickett Memorial is the person who gave me your column. I'll tell you that, you know, it's been a long summer, a lot of work. My product uh, productivity was waning a little bit. And then Pierre gave me your article. I said, well, heck, somebody else is interested in the kind of stuff we do. So, but I would say... St. Joseph's is not a graveyard because it's probably at least 100, 130 yards from where the church was, St. Joseph's Church, uh-huh. and the diff- and the distance to the cemetery. Bob, the other thing I did when I was doing my own family research about five years ago is there's a program called Find a Grave. You pop in your family name and an idea of birth or death date and if a picture's been taken it pops up so you can actually i felt like i found a great grandmother in uh, cherry valley one of the things i so i was familiar with the uh, the process and the, that that program so when i went on punched in saint joseph's cemetery i found in fact that a couple a, a deceased lady named Liv olmstead and then one of my high school classmates, John Kabuski from Gloversville, had actually uploaded uh, oh, about a dozen pictures of some of the gravestones, or Pierre calls them tablets, mm-hmm. in uh, in the St. Joseph Cemetery. Yeah, the names, I mean, are just Bakers and Ungers, and Kabuski himself is a Reinhardt. You know, I have made light on my research of, well, they, they intermarried. You know, I mean, they lived in right. farming communities and probably Saturday night dances. Off they went and and uh, said, well, they were ready to take on a spouse. Or if their spouse deceased, then people got married up again. So it's yeah. really kind of a, that's the other issue is the Bleecker Town clerk, Tony Johnson. We were restricted, as I'm sure the lady in Fish House learned, from gathering 
If the church doesn't have the records, the state and towns have to maintain confidentiality. Through Miss Brooks, we convinced the town clerk and bleaker that could I try to get some information? And Bob, she produced two, about eight pages of Microsoft Excel spreadsheets with the last name, parentage, place of birth or death, uh, children, marriages. I mean, an incredible tool. So you can mm. kind of, because one of the things I wanted to do in my report was not just reflect the name and picture the gravestone and the dates, but a little bit of background, who these people were. That, to me, is right. the most intriguing part of this yep. thing. And you mentioned a report, and maybe I'll make this the last thing I ask you about. Uh, what is this report? I think I've seen it. It's like a, a 40-page document uh, yeah, talking about I've, the... Well, yeah, I've um, taken the picture of every one of the gravestones that hadn't been done before. So I cleaned all the gravestones uh, very delicately and took their picture, uploaded to find a grave, put this in the document with my uh, research, researched the deeds so I could see the the transition from one owner to the next, always being the Albany Diocese, by the way, uh, and still is, actually. Mm-hmm. And then, so I had a good friend of mine that tr- taught me how to take my cell phone pictures and reduce them in size. So it didn't take, you know, one picture, take three pages. And so we're, we're very close. I'm probably 95% done of infusing like about 30 pictures with the narratives. So it's going to be close to a 50 page document. Well, Colonel Dave Cummings, uh, thank you very much for uh, telling us about St. Joseph's of Bleecker, New York. Have a good day. You too, sir. Okay. I'm going to tell this story again or give you the highlights just in case you're a little confused by the conversation uh, that Dave Cummings and I uh, just had on the Historian's Podcast. First, a word about the Historian's Podcast and how we stay in operation, and that's through fundraising. There's a link on our website, bobcudmore.com, that takes you to our GoFundMe page. GoFundMe, it's the easiest way to uh, give uh, to our project online. If you'd rather send me a check in the mail, uh, make out the check to me, Bob Cudmore, and send it to 125 Horstman Drive, Scotia, New York, 12302. And thank you very much. Now, the story about St. Joseph's Shrine Church and Cemetery in Bleecker begins with, with this. As many as a thousand people lived in that Fulton County hill town in the mid 1800s. There were farmers and lumbermen and workers and their families. Uh, they were a lot of them servicing or providing stuff for the leather and glove mills in Gloversville and Johnstown. Today, the population in Bleecker is much smaller, but you know a lot of people live there. And you know, they always lived there. Uh, others have vacation homes and so on and so forth. So anyway, back in the 1850s, uh, St. Joseph's Church was built, the first Roman Catholic church in Fulton County. Two-story uh, white building with a choir loft. Tower had a bell and a crucifix on the pe- a peak. The steeple could be seen for five miles, and the bell could be heard for a similar distance, they say. 
Land for the church building was basically donated. They sold it for $1 to the church. Nicholas and Mary Ann Lunkenheimer were the benefactors. One of the people buried in the cemetery, or three of them actually, Elizabeth Lunkenheimer and two grandchildren were buried in the church cemetery. And because Dave Cummings has researched the cemetery and the people buried there, some of the other things he's found, there are two Civil War veterans buried in the cemetery, and maybe they're the only veterans in the graveyard. Uh, Nicholas Reinhardt, who had been born in Prussia in 1840, he was in the 153rd New York Volunteers. He died in 1868 from wounds received at the 1864 Battle of Opequan near Winchester, Virginia. Daniel Reinhardt, the other veteran, was born in Prussia in 1841, died in Bleecker in 1892. He was a sergeant. He was in the 10th New York Volunteers. One other uh, person buried there, Francis Unger. He was born in 1833 in Munich, Germany. He was a carpenter, justice of the peace, and a farmer. He also served as town clerk with his German wife, Ida. They raised six of Fulton County offspring. St. Joseph's Church in Bleecker was faced with declining attendance as the 20th century dawned, and in 1919, the diocese closed the church and tore it down. Parts of the old church were used to build St. Joseph's Chapel, on County Highway 112 in Bleecker, and parts of the church were used to build St. Barbara's Chapel in Caroga Lake, those facilities dating to, let's say, 1920. Neither chapel is in use today, but the buildings are still there. The Bleecker one's a private residence, and uh, St. Barbara's Chapel right now, I guess, is just closed, if you will. And foundation field stones from the original church were used in 1933 to create a shrine, a domed structure that protects a bronze statue of St. Joseph holding baby Jesus, and the shrine is still there today. U.S. Army Colonel uh, David Cummings, retired of Schuylerville, told us the tale of how he got intrigued with the uh, old cemetery, and he worked uh, with the Brother John, who was uh, a Franciscan, who would uh, come through the area uh, to uh, talk and also to work. Uh, He worked uh, cleaning up the cemetery site, and uh, Colonel Cummings, who was not a colonel then, but at his father's insistence, helped Brother John, and he found it a very kind of uplifting experience. And it was 55 years later that Cummings returned to Bleecker organizing volunteers from the ancient order of Hibernians to clear brush and clean stones this past summer at St. Joseph Cemetery and Shrine. And Dave Cummings is past president of the Saratoga Hibernians chapter. Other volunteers from Fulton County also helped the people from the Hibernians uh, cleaning the shrine this year, and they've done that in many other years. Cummings is completing a research paper on St. Joseph's of Bleecker. He would like to talk with you if you're the descendant of somebody buried in the cemetery or you have memories or photos 
of the two chapels that were built from the remains of the church. And in October this year, the Bleecker Historical Society completed erecting historical markers for town cemeteries by installing a marker on Shrine Road, which runs off Persh Road on the way to the shrine. And according to town historian Eleanor Brooks, uh, the marker states that the first burial at St. Joseph's Cemetery was in 1856. Well, thanks for listening to us. I'm Bob Cudmore, and you have been listening to The Historian's Podcast. (laughs) And the bells ring.